Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for your word today. I thank you for your people. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for salvation. I thank you, Lord, that heaven and earth is going to pass away. But we can depend on your word. So, Holy Spirit, you're already in here. Use me to speak the oracles of God to God's people. And I thank you in advance for watching over his word to perform it. Father, energize us with what's said. And I thank you that no one will leave this place spiritually unfed. And it's in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So before I get started this morning, uh, I'll just let you briefly inside of, you know, First Lady and I's life. We are bi-local people. We are living in two places at one time. She has a house. I have a house. So we're working that out. So we, we I mean, I stay at the house. We're we going to be together now. We're going to be together. But, you know, one of us, we, so we, we're working through that kids in school. So we're, we're very conscious about making the move. But uh, anyway, so this morning I left my iPad at the, at the house and first lady just jumped in the car and went and got it. Can y'all give first lady a big hand? Thank you, baby. I appreciate you. You sure look amazing in that Gucci this morning. Anyway, I'm going to stay focused. The Lord is so good. So if you've been tracking with us, we've been learning all month about the difference that the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ has made in our life. And so we did a production which was called The Garden of Scars. And from there, I've been doing different messages that relate to the garden. And so the gospel of Jesus Christ is so powerful that it changes us spiritually. But I've discovered that it must be presented in a way for people to apply it practically. And this is one of the reasons that I teach. And so the Bible says in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. And that's why it's so important that the gospel is preached. Why? Because it has the power in it for people to be saved. Say amen to that. And Jesus died to save us and the gospel is available to teach us, watch this, how to live saved. Can I get a better amen from that? It was the sharing of the gospel that changed my life to what it is today. And so you all should know that every week I pray and I prepare. And as I pray, I really want to be led by God on what to share. And so uh, something interesting took place and... uh, When I share what God wants me to share, I know life is going to come out of that. I know that 
uh, his will is going to come out of that. And so uh, I was impressed to do something that I've never done before in our church. And that is to share my personal testimony. I've never done that. And so uh, for some reason, he wants me to do it today. Now, for those of you who are super saved. Okay, you know, you got regular saved people. Then you got super saved. You know how the, the, the 7-Eleven, you got the super size? Well, you know, you got super saved people. You know, those are people that, you know, if they can't stop working, it's the devil. I cast the devil out of the engine. It ain't the devil. You didn't change your all. I'm talking about those people. Right. So if you super saved, be like, well, what, what, why he just talking about his testimony? Uh, when are we going to hear about this Bible? We came to hear the word. Well, you're going to hear the word. Because I probably got about 35 scriptures in here, which is more than the average pastor's going to use. Praise the Lord. And I ain't criticizing. But all throughout the New Testament, Paul was telling us about his conversion. That was his testimony. And for some reason, God wants me to share it. So if you would open your heart, because I believe this is going to encourage those of you who are watching. I also believe it's going to touch everyone in some way. Revelations chapter 12, verse 11. They're going to put it on the screen. It says, and they overcame him, the devil. Watch this. By the blood of the lamb and by the what? Word of their testimony. You should never be ashamed of the testimony of what God has done in your life. Because God can use your testimony not only to help you overcome, but he can use your testimony to help others overcome. So if you're taking notes today, and if you have your notes in hand, or if you have your notes, you can click on the link there. The message title is The Garden, The Place of a New Life. The Garden, The Place of of a New Life. And so here's point number one, if you're taking notes, it is the seed to believe. The seed to believe. I grew up in what I would call a... Uh, traditional Christian home. My mom, she was raised Baptist. My dad was raised Methodist. And so they decided to merge this thing and raise us Presbyterian. I don't know how they got that out of that, but that's what they decided to do. And so we went to church pretty much every Sunday. And I thought, you know, because my parents were Christians, I thought that I was a Christian. Amen. And I learned later that God only has sons and daughters. He doesn't have grandkids. And so if you are a young person in the room, just because your parents are Christians does not mean that you are a Christian. You have to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Amen. First John chapter three tells us in verse one, it says, behold, what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us that we should be called what? The sons of God. The next verse, verse two says, beloved, now are we sons of God. And so eventually I realized that uh, Christianity, the believing of it can be handed down, but the receiving of it must be individual. Amen. And so after graduating from high school, I was a decent high school person. You know, I didn't make C's and D's. I made A's and B's for the most part. And I ended up with an academic scholarship to attend Jarvis Christian College. And so, yeah, Jarvis in in East Texas. And so uh, Jarvis was an interesting place for me uh, because this is where I started using and selling drugs at a Christian college. So I don't know if they were Christian. I know I wasn't Christian, but they sure was getting high because I was selling it to them. Now, now I was really selling the weed because I used it. 
So I'm a business person. I'm like, it shouldn't cost me to use it. So I would buy it in bulk, break it down in individual weed joints, you know. And then I'd sell the joints. And once I made my money back, I would smoke the rest of it. Don't look at me like that. It's my testimony. Say it, say it. So this is where I started using drugs, started selling drugs. This is where I lost my virginity. Look, at the, I, look, I was a virgin all the way through high school, you know. But when I got to college, you know, that changed. And, but, but also, Jarvis was the place where the seed of God being real was deposited in my heart. Amen. And this is why it's so important as parents that we train our children in the ways of the Lord. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child. What does it say? Train up a what? It is very difficult to train a teenager. You can whoop, you can beat them, but you can't, it's hard to train. It's to train a child in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they will not what? Depart. And so while I was at Jarvis, you know, uh, it was a small campus and, and everybody knew each other. And so I met this young lady named Yolanda. Now, Yolanda, uh, Kirk Franklin's uh, family, uh, the first group that he did, she was actually in that family, uh, uh, in that group. And so Yolanda was saved. I mean, I'm talking like no makeup weren't saved. I'm talking about no pants weren't saved. I'm talking about no cussing saved. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about going to church every single Sunday saved. Yolanda was saved. And so, you know, I, I wasn't saved. I wasn't trying to be saved. I didn't even know what saved was because we didn't teach it with that terminology in the Presbyterian church. And so I wasn't familiar with the term as a biblical, in a biblical sense. I just equated it for, with people who look kind of dry in their dressing. You'll get that in a minute. And you know what, believe it or not, I had never known a guy to be saved. I didn't know a guy. I just, all the women, because, you know, guys can dress regular. We don't wear makeup and stuff. And so uh, I never knew a guy that was saved. So all these women or girls that, that were saved. And so she was trying to get me saved. And I was trying to get her high. So it was, you know, <laughs> who going to win? And, you know, she was one of those people, you know, when you got around them and you cuss and, pe- and, and people be like, oh, I'm sorry. I wouldn't apologize. I just cussed. I didn't care. So anyway, she was trying to convert me. I was trying to get her high. And so, you know, she would, she would describe, she had this cousin, you know, that she was like, you know what? I think you'd be good for my cousin. Not sure why. And so she says, you know, I think you'd be good for my cousin. So she described her cousin. This, this was like a, a light complexion girl who had like blondish hair with blue eyes. And uh, honestly, I mean, that, that kind of like intrigued me. I, I'd never known a black person with blue eyes. So I told her, I said, you tell your cousin she need to meet me. So, you know, every week, you know, I'd say something like that. And so, you know, as time went by, I earned my right to take my car to school. Because, see, back in the day, you know, parenting was a little different from now. Back then, even though I had a a car in high school, my parents said, well, we're not letting you take it to your first semester in college. We need to make sure you're going to be straight. So, you know, time went by and I was able to earn my car back. And so I started going back and forth from home, which is not that far from East Texas. And so, you know, sometimes I would go home or come home to restock my weed supply because I had to do that. Right. 
sometimes I had to go and get my hair cut, which, by the way, I learned how to cut hair. And that's how I turned into a barber. And that's how I had a, a, a barber shop and beauty salon, uh, uh, you know, growing up uh, in my business career. It, it all was birthed out of not having a barber shop in Jarvis Christian College in Hawkins, Texas. I became the barber because I learned how to cut my hair. So because I couldn't come home and get a haircut. So I would learn to cut my hair. My mama bought me some, you know, some clippers from Walmart. And so I learned how to cut my hair. And so the guy's like, man, who cut your hair? I was like, I cut my hair. They say, well, won't you cut my hair? I can't, can't cut your hair, man. I said, because I know how to cut my hair. And if I mess your hair up, you're going to be mad. I said, well, just cut it anyway. So I learned how to cut hair. So I was never broke in college. I always had some money. Look at your neighbor and say, money is good. Money is good. So uh, I would go home, get a haircut sometimes, and then I'd hang out with my friends. And so it was one particular weekend. Uh, there was a mall in uh, Oak Cliff back in the day called Redbird Mall. Anybody familiar with that mall? Yeah. And so Redbird Mall was the hangout spot. And so that's where we would hang out. And so my friends and I were there one Saturday. And the goal was to collect phone numbers. That was the goal. We weren't shopping. We were just collecting phone numbers. And so one day we were standing around and this young lady walks by me and uh, walked by us because we was in a group. And I said, man, I'm going to talk to that girl. So, you know, she was on her way to the restroom. So I kind of like followed her halfway and so I could catch her when she come back out. Right. So she came back out and uh, I'm not sure what I said to her. It probably was some kind of lyric from Barry White. I don't know what I said. Whatever I said to her, I got a phone number. And so uh, we started talking. And some of y'all going, what does this have to do with it? It's my testimony. It's going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. So uh, what was funny is I, I got her phone number. But what was odd is the description of Yolanda's cousin kind of matched this girl. I was like. This can't be the same person. So we started talking and I discovered this was Yolanda's cousin. I was like, what are the odds of that? So we started, you know, talking and to make a long story short, we ended up sleeping together. Okay. So, you know, and some of y'all know what I'm talking about because you did not marry being a virgin. So don't look at me like that. Cause don't make me raise your hand. Be like, how many married a virgin? We have like one and a half hands in here, like one and a half hands. <laughs> so don't do me like that okay so anyway we 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 stepped together and uh to make a long story short some time went by and mother nature didn't show up you know what that means and i'll never forget my mama and i'm quoting her right now she says if you ever get a girl pregnant while you in school i'm gonna make you quit college and support that baby mm. I wasn't ready for that. Getting a girl pregnant was the last thing I wanted to do. And here I am in a bad situation. Because sometimes we do stuff we shouldn't do. Amen. And the reason we do it is because they're sin. The New Living Translation of Romans 7, they're going to put it up there. Paul says, I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right. But I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is the what, church? It is the sin living in me. 
So back then, there was no cell phones. There was no email. So if you were going to communicate with your significant other, you had to do it either with a landline phone or you're going to have to write them a letter. So we wrote and we we uh, called. And, and by the way, you didn't do a whole lot of calling because it was a long distance. They didn't have long distance plans like they have now. So as, you know, weeks went by and I can't remember how many weeks, but I it was enough weeks where I knew that this girl was pregnant. So I did something I had never done in my life. I decided to pray. How many have been in a bad situation you're going to pray about it? Look, I, I, I did so. I had never prayed. We're talking about somebody who smoked weed on the way to church. I mean, it was interesting because Presbyterian was kind of like God's chosen frozen. So it wasn't kind of like this church. You know, where you can laugh a little bit. It wasn't like that. You know, it was kind of frozen up in there. So I figured, hey, if I'm going to church, I want to have a good time. I would get high and just laugh at everybody that was in there. So I never forget. I got on my knees for the first time. I got on my knees and I asked God, and I'm going to tell you exactly what I prayed. I said, Lord, I don't want to be a daddy. I said, now, if I had to be a daddy, I would try to be the best one that I, I can be. Now, I'm talking to God. I don't know. I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't pray in King James. Thou most holy, wonderful God. And I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying I wasn't there. So I was like, you know, I said, God, if you're real, like people say you're real, I need you to help me. And I said, you know, I'll be the best father that I can. But I said, right now, I'm not ready for that. And I said, if you help me, because, you know, we all got to do something with the, what we tell him. If you help me, God. I won't do this again. Now, what's interesting is I wasn't saying I wouldn't have sex again. I was just saying I wasn't going to do it without protection. I just, no, that's for real. So after I prayed that week, it was time for me to go home. So I went home and I went over to her house and we were talking and she looked like sick. And so I was like, hey, what's going on? And she said... Her cycle came that day. I didn't know about praising God, but I did. (laughs) Listen, I did. And at that moment, listen, church, listen to me. At that moment, I knew God was real. So don't be telling people God don't listen to people who ain't saved prayers. How they going to get saved if he don't hear them? So that day, I knew God was real. I didn't know what else to do and I wasn't ready to change my life. But I realized, man, only one person knew that I had prayed that prayer and that was me. And so eventually I ended up transferring from Jarvis over to PV so that I could experience, you know, college at another level. Uh, by the way, my whole reason for transferring to Prayer View had nothing to do with academics. Nothing to do with academic. Normally when you go to a school, you go to the school for academic purposes. It wasn't for that. At that time, and I, I think I've discovered the ratio is still the same right about now. But at that time, the ratio of male versus females, it was about seven girls to one guy. What a buffet. 
<laughs> oh, needless to say, I did not know God was getting ready to save me. Because the seed, everybody say the seed. The seed to believe had been planted on the inside. Which now takes me to point number two. Here's point number two if you're taking notes. Jesus knocks, but only you can answer. The New King James Version of Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 says this. This is Jesus talking. He says, behold, I stand at the door and do what church? And knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door... I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And unfortunately, even as believers, we read that verse and we think it's just about salvation with him coming into our life. No, there's, Jesus is still knocking because when he wants you to do something, he's going to knock on the door and be like, hey, I need you to do this. And no one told me that you don't say yes to Jesus once. You have to say yes to Jesus the rest of your life because there are going to be things that God wants you to do that you're not going to want to do. And he said, no, I want you to do it. You're going to have to say, yes, yes. Yeah, y'all know. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. My soul say yeah. That was a Presbyterian version, all right? And what I didn't know, that seed was being planted in me from that experience that I had. And so here I am at PV, and, and uh, God was going to start watering that seed. And so my first cousin, Big Said, who's gone to be with the Lord, he was my best friend in preschool, elementary, junior high, high school. He went to Jarvis, and then we transferred. He went to PVs, and so we, we roommates all this time. So we living together, and boy, we had PV, and we living our best life, I'm telling you. And I was able to transfer all my credits. And, you know, uh, young people, when your parents want you to do something, just do it, even if you don't understand. My parents made me go to summer school at Jarvis, and I hated that. But when I transferred, because I went to summer school, it allowed me to graduate still on time. Amen. And so we get to PB, and man, life is good. And I went from a small college to a university. Everything was bigger and better. The food was better. And look, we even had a cleaners on campus that cleaned and laundered your clothes. We had visitation in the dorms. We had a variety of food. It was good. And so... uh one day, you know, Prayer View used to be known for partying. I don't know if that reputation still exists. But back then, it was about partying. And that's what we did. So one Saturday, I mean, we are partying. It's late. I mean, we probably got home at 2 in the morning, something like that. And uh, we were trained to get up and go to church. Mom ain't there. Daddy ain't there. But Sid and I, we got up and we went to church that morning. And what was interesting is that in, uh, at, the, at the college or uh, university, uh, they were in the middle of building a chapel. So they didn't have a place to have church. They just had it like in a regular building in a regular room. And so we get up to go to church that morning. And what was interesting is the same place that we had the party last night, the same place that we were bumping and grinding was the same place they was having church that morning. And what was more interesting to me are all the people that I saw at the party last night was at the church service that morning. 
I was like, cuz, these was the people that was at the party last night. And I said to myself, look at these hypocrites. I wasn't talking about myself. The New Living Translation of 2 Corinthians 6, and this is important because sometimes as believers, we don't separate our life enough where people can tell the difference between us and unbelievers. Listen to what it says. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be with Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? Verse 16. And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we're the temple of the living God. For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk in them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Here's the focus verse. Verse 17. He says, therefore, come out from among believers, unbelievers, and separate yourselves from them. Do what, church? Separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. So I'm thinking, you know, these people are hypocrites. And to make a long story short, it was Testimony Sunday. Now, I didn't know what that was. Because we didn't have Testimony Sunday at the Presbyterian Church. We had times of sherry. And what we shared was like stuff like, hey, my grand, my daughter had a grandson this weekend. Stuff like Evans home from college. Praise the Lord. You know, we, it wasn't testifying. We just shared. And so it was time of testimony in this church service and people was up there testifying and someone was up there testifying. And I mean, it was a whole lot going on, right? So I'm thinking, I got high with you yesterday. So it was time to close the service and the minister thanked everybody for, you know, testifying. And in the middle of this guy closing the service down, some guy gets up out of his seat, just walked up and said, I'm, I'm sorry for interrupting you. But uh, I just got to say this. This is for somebody. And I'm looking like this guy is crazy. And he says, you know, he starts talking about the Lord and what the Lord was doing in his life and how he was living for the Lord. And then he ended his testimony with this. Uh, and if you want to see what a Christian ought to live like, watch me. And I thought, this guy is bold. This is my first time seeing somebody who is saved. That's a guy. So I started watching this guy. You know, I met him and started asking him questions and talking about, he would tell me about the Lord and I'd ask him questions and, and, uh, and finally, I, I, I reached a point where I knew I needed to get saved. I realized that heaven and hell was real and I had to make a decision where I wanted to go. So no one told me that you could get saved right there in your house, right there in your room, right there in your car. No one said that. I, I don't know, for some reason, I thought I needed to be in a church to get saved. So I decided that I was going to go to the Presbyterian church. I was going to go home, go to church, and I was going to get saved. Now, that's that's different because I have never seen anybody get saved at the Presbyterian church. I'm not saying nobody was saved. I'm just saying they never. there was never an opportunity where you saw that happen. So that morning, we didn't call our pastor, pastor. We called him by the first name. His name was Mark. I went into his office, and, I, you know, I had to fan through it because the smoking section was right in front of the pastor's office. Because Presbyterians, we smoke on the inside. We don't smoke on the outside. Too cold. <laughs> so anyway, I went into Mark. <laughs> anyway, I went into Mark's office. I'm telling you, this is the truth. I went into Mark's office. And said, hey, Mark. Uh, he was like, hey, uh, how you doing, Evan? It's good to see you here from school. I said, uh, I, I said, I'm good. I said, I want to get saved today. 
He said, oh, you, you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life? He knew exactly what I was talking about. I was like, yeah. He says, well, after my talk, we didn't really call it a sermon, but sermon talk, whatever it was. He says, uh, I'm going to call you up. And this is interesting because I've never seen anybody get called up. So he get, gets through with his message. And then he says, there's a young man here today who wants to give his life to Jesus Christ. Come on up here, Evan. So he calls me up there and he asked me some basic questions. He says, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God? I said, yeah. He said, do you believe that he was born of a virgin Mary? I said, yeah. He said, do you believe that he died for your sins? I said, yeah. He says, well, as an act of your your profession of faith, you're saved. And the person that walked up there is not the same person that walked back. Something happened on the inside of me. Say amen to that. Something happened on the inside of me. And that change was real. It became radical to the point where, look, I start getting all my friends saved. And then my dad called me in because, you know, I was that kind of, I was, I was, you know, I have always been uh, kind of, I don't careish, so to speak. And so, you know, I, I, I was kind of hard headed to a certain degree. And so my dad called me in his room to talk to me. And normally you done done something. And so I'm saved. I'm being, I mean, I'm like, my grades are good. In fact, look at it. Uh, I just re- graduated regular in high school. I gradu- graduated cum laude in college. Jesus can help your grades. I'm talking to somebody right now. So, uh, uh, he calls me in and my dad says, Evan, I just want to ask you something. I was like, what? He's like, what has made you change so much? And I said, it was, everybody say it was Jesus. It, It was Jesus. And that's exactly what happened. And so that transformation just started spilling over to the point I'll never forget. I had the conversation with my girlfriend. I said, hey, Leah, I can't be with you no more. She was like, why? I said, because, uh, you know, light and darkness. Uh, I mean, I was just, I, I was just bold. I was just, I wasn't even, I was just kind of rude. Like I was like light and darkness and, and believers and unbelievers can't be together. She was like, but, but, but I believe I was like, she was like, but, but I said, you might try to get me to do stuff I shouldn't be doing. And she said, but I'm, I won't try to do that. But see, what I didn't realize is that she was backslid. Cause I knew something different about her when I first met her anyway. But anyway, I was like, no, can't be together. So I just kind of cut her off. You know, I didn't say that was the best way to do it, but I did. And one of the biggest lessons, here's a, here's a point right here. Uh, I got 10 minutes. One of the biggest lessons that I learned as a new believer was my identity in Jesus Christ. So they're going to put up John chapter uh, one, John chapter one. Uh, and I got this revelation because it is a revelation. Uh, when I was teaching my dad. Uh, just doing Bible study with him. It says, and this is the record of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? And he confessed and denied not, but he confessed, I am not the Christ. They came to John to ask him who he was. And when they asked him who he was, he said who he wasn't. Because when you know who you are, you know who you're not. So it don't matter if your ex calling you names and out of your name or your coworker calling you. Well, it don't matter because I'm not what you say I am. He says, I'm not the Christ. So verse 21, they ask him, what, what then? Are you Elijah? He says, I'm not. He said, are you that prophet? He said, no. And I want you to notice that they had their idea of who they thought John should have been. 
Because if you don't know who you are, people will tell you who they want you to be. And so John said, so in verse 22, they said, well, who are you? So we may give an answer to them that sent us. They said, what do you say about yourself? And that's the problem. Most believers don't know who they are in Jesus Christ. So they, listen, it's not... It's not as important for me to believe who you are. It's more important for you to believe who you are. And they said to him, what do you say about yourself? And that's how I can know where a believer is in their walk, by listening to how they describe themselves. He said, watch his, watch his, his answer. He says, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. Watch this, as said the prophet Isaiah. John took his identity from from scripture and said what God says about me that's who I am and that's why on the verse on the thing I say I am who it says I am why because that's the most important thing it's not important about he could have said well uh, they said well, who are you well I'm 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 Zachariah and I'm Elizabeth's son here's my my Jerusalem driver's license he didn't do that no, his identity did not come from his natural surroundings. It came from who God said he was. And then once you're rooted in that, people are going to have an issue with it. Because if you look at verse 25, it says, and they ask him, then why are you baptizing since then? Why are you doing that? Because see, once you know who you are, people are going to have a problem with that. Amen. So now, because some people's identity is wrapped up in what they do. It's wrapped up in what they have. And this is why people, you know, they're only, they only feel good about themselves when they have money or when they have stuff and, or they had a good job or whatever that is. But that can't be where your identity comes from because things come and go. When you look at it from that perspective, you will never have consistent contentment. It's who God says I am that settles you from the inside out. So here's point number three as we close. His way is always better than our way. Everybody say, His way is always better than our way. Proverbs 14, 12. And this lesson that I've learned right here, right here. I've learned this one throughout my life. It says in Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way which seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Here's a take-home statement. God's way is always right, which means our ways are always wrong. When I, once I got born again, I, I became a member of a Bible study on campus. It was called Joy Bible Study. Because they told me after I got saved, I needed to do three things. I needed to go to church every Sunday. I needed to read my Bible every day. And I needed to pray every day. And so that's what I did. So I joined this Bible study. And... Uh, I'll never forget one Friday night we were having Bible study and they were talking about the Holy Spirit and uh, about speaking in tongues. And I had never heard that, you know, Presbyterian. You don't talk about that, you know. Uh, and here's what I love about being a Presbyterian. They didn't teach about tongues, but nor did they teach against it. I was a blank slate. I didn't even know that four gospels said the same thing. Till I read them for the first time, I read all four of them. I was like, wow, Jesus died four times. I had never read the Bible. So they said, I, they said, well, Evan, do you want to speak in tongues? So how do I do that? I said, well, you know, the scripture says that lay hands on. I said, so I just spoke in tongues just like that, right? So my life started changing big time. 
And I'll never forget, I stood on the campus of Prairie View A&M University because my dream in life was to be the biggest and best businessman I could be. My mom was an entrepreneur. My dad was an entrepreneur. And that's what I wanted to be. And I said, Lord, I want to be the best entrepreneur that I can be. Because one of my goals was to be on the front of Forbes magazine as a first black man. Because at that time, Forbes had never had a black person on the cover. And so I wanted to, that was my goal. I said, Lord, I want to be the best businessman I can be. But I don't ever want to be a preacher. Y'all think he heard that prayer? I don't know. I don't think he heard that one. Because eventually, watch this church, I had to say yes again. Because one day he came and knocked and he said, Evan, I want you to preach my word. I had a decision. Was I going to let him in or was I going to have my way? Because there is a way which seems right to a man. Yes, God gives us choices in life, but those choices should be rooted in Scripture. And still be okay with him. Here's another take home statement as we close here. A good decision may not always be a God decision. But a God decision will always be a good decision. Proverbs 12, 15 says. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he that hearken unto wise. uh, uh, Hearken to counsel is wise. Proverbs 16, 2 says. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the spirits. Lisi says in verse 3. Commit your works to the Lord. And your thoughts will be established. I love the amplified version. It says. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the spirits. The thoughts and the intents of the heart. Roll your works upon the Lord. Commit and trust them wholly to him. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will. And so shall your plans be established and succeed. You want to succeed in life? Yield your life to the Lord. You got to keep saying yes. I had to say yes to preach. Then I had to say yes to quit my job and go to school, Bible school in Jamaica. Then I had to quit. uh, uh, He told me when I was in Jamaica that I was going to be a pastor. I've had to say yes, 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 yes. And the problem is most people stop saying yes. The New Living Translation of Proverbs 21, uh, 2, this is the last verse. It says, people may be right in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their heart. The Lord is more pleased when we do what is right and just then than we when we offer him sacrifices. Or I must say, than when we offer him excuses. When I learned that Jesus wanted me to prosper and he would help me do it and wanted me to succeed and he would help me do it and I learned that God's plans for me were good and not evil and give me an expected end when I started learning that stuff I said to myself I'm crazy if I don't walk this thing out with God but sometimes God will want you to walk in some things that you don't want to walk in but let me say this to you I had a young person ask me this week, he said, Pastor Evan, tell me, um, he said, what made you serve the Lord? You know, of course, I didn't want to have flames called hell. But I said, when I realized that if I connected my life to the person who created me, He knows everything about me. He knows what I'm gifted in. He knows what I love. He knows what I'm good at, even if I don't know. Well, guess what? I had to say yes to preaching. 
And thank God for the guy that stood up at Prairie View A&M University and interrupted that man and gave his testimony. His name is Kennedy Giles. Kenny, I don't know if you'll ever see this, but thank you for changing my life. And look how many lives Kenny's going to get credit for when he gets to heaven. So with every head bowed, every head bowed, because here is what's on my heart. There are some of you who need to say yes again. I don't know to what. And here's the issue. Some of you all. You're waiting to know what you need to say yes to. But let me say this to you. Why don't you say yes ahead of time so he can tell you. And I believe there's some people. That for you to reach new levels and next levels for your life, you need to say yes again. Your yes again might be yes to your marriage again because you were ready to jump out. But maybe he's using that relationship to chisel you, to change you, to grow you. Maybe you're watching and that yes that you need to do is him saying, okay, I want you to change jobs. Maybe that yes is, oh, maybe you need to get involved in a small group. Whatever your yes is. And so I want to pray for some people today who need to say yes again. In fact, here's the question. If you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Because if you're not sure, I want to pray for you.